0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I've got some quirks. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a bit quirky. And one of the quirky things that I have done for a lot of years is I like to see how far I can go in the car on one tank of gas. I know, that's what Gail does. No! So on the kind of the annual pilgrimage to Wagga Wagga, it's about a 14-hour drive. Several times we have to fill up, which means several opportunities for me to indulge my quirkiness and see how far we can go. And so I look at the gauge, and Gail's looking at the gauge too. She's looking at the gauge more than I'm looking at the gauge. And I'll think, oh man, that's good. We got a quarter of a tank. And then it'll say on the, on the side, uh, you know, 220 K's to, to uh, Maury or someplace. I think 220, and we got a quarter of a tank. I reckon I can make it. <laughs> and uh, of course, I don't say that out loud, I just think it. But if you've been married any length of time, you know that your spouse eventually can read your mind. They can read your mind, believe me. So don't think it if you don't want them to know it. Just refuse to think it. And she knows what I'm thinking. She knows that I'm going to push it. She goes, there's a service station in 10Ks. Why don't we pull over and fill her up? I'm like, no. There's another one in 100Ks. But I have no intention of stopping at that one either. No, we're going to go all the way. Now, in all the times... That you've known me, and you can be brutally honest. Have we ever run out of fuel? No, we never have. <laughs> See, there you go. Nearly. nearly is what I'm trying for. That's the whole goal—is the nearly bit. We're trying for that. I, I, I like to do that. Now, another quirky thing. This is confession of of, of a quirky pastor. <laughs> The other another quirky thing that I like to do is I like to see how much fuel I can put in the car. Oh. See, I know there's some other people out there that are doing both of these, perhaps. <laughs> so I'll squeeze it in. It'll, like, click off at the bowser. You know, I'll click. It's like, oh, it's full. And Gail will be in the car again. She'll go, don't overfill it. That's enough. Let's go. It's like, no, it's not. It's not full because I can put more in it. And so, you know, I'll even go and pull the nozzle halfway out, because that's a little bit more space for the thing before it's got the shut-off sensor. Click, click. I look, yeah, more, tick, 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 more. How many, how many liters does the tank hold? I have to look at the owner's manual, to figure it out. So it says, oh, it's a 50-liter tank or whatever. It's like, well, I just put 60 in. <laughs> so there you go. And, and here's the thing. It's not full until it's, till it's what? Somebody said it, it's, it's not full until it's over, overflowing. As long as you can put more in, whatever it is, it's not full. So I hear people all the time about fill with the Spirit, and it's not really what we're talking about this morning, but it does kind of apply. <sighs> You know when you're filled with something because it's overflowing. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? Something's coming out. That's why the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit, singing. (laughs) Singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord. The Holy Spirit and the things of God are not meant to be bottled up. In fact, it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable for me anyway to bottle up what God's put on the inside of me. He is so big, and he just wants to express himself through, through love in many different forms, I might add, not just one. And, and, and that's a real joy to spill over the love of God, the gratitude, the, uh, the, spirit, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, to spill those over on other people as you walk through life. I, I love that. Some people get ambushed fr- from joy. Because joy's spilling out of me. They don't know how to handle it sometimes. It's like, why are you so happy that, like Matt shared, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket, you've got a smile on your face? What did you do? Win the lottery or something? Better than the lottery. Way better than the lottery. Eternal life. I read out of C.S. Lewis last week in um, in one of his great books, I believe it was probably the greatest uh, of his writings, The Weight of Glory. And the fact that You've never met a person yet. You've never met a mere mortal. Because everybody's immortal. Nobody ceases to exist at the grave. We all live forever in one place or the other. We're all immortal. You have never met a mere mortal. Which means this. Everybody that you meet, and C.S. Lewis talks about this, they, if you could see them in glory, in, in immortality, you'd be tempted to bow down and worship them, or they would look like your worst nightmare. Heaven and hell, real. Immortality, real. He said this, that even the longevity of a nation, an empire, the Roman Empire, this country, would be a mere net in the face of immortality for each one of us. When I think about the importance of the Spirit of God being on the inside of me, wanting to spill over, wanting me to be filled so I'm overflowing, so that my life can spill over onto somebody else's life with love and joy and peace and gentleness, kindness and long-suffering and patience and all of these things, When I think about the responsibility of that, it even gives me further joy to want to make sure that I'm constantly filled with the Spirit. Because in the Greek language, it doesn't say be filled once. In the Spirit, it says in the ever-present tense in the Greek, it says be being filled with the Spirit. It's a constant thing. It's a flow. It's an in-and-out flow. And that's the way that God works. He doesn't work like a lake or a dam that just dams it up and gets stagnant. He's like a river. The river of God wants to flow, and, and it's, it's alive. It's a wonderful, wonderful wonderful thing. Now, in my endeavor and my quirkiness to be empty on one side and use up all the petrol and see how far we can go, and filled on the other side, see how much we can put in, I find that there are a lot of things in life where it's very uncomfortable to be on empty. I don't like being hungry. I mean really hungry. It's one of the things that I I hate, but yet I don't like being stuffed full either. Often find myself at dinner party, (laughs) a few nervous giggles from some other guilty people. Because the food is so good, seriously, it, it really is. I, I, I can't stop with one help, and I like to go back in seconds. Maybe the occasional third, I knew that was going to come. Yes, you're right. Uh, to the point where I end up being not, not hungry anymore, but, but stuffed full. But there is a place for that hunger or filled In Revelation, I'm just reminded of it, and we don't have to throw this one up, but Revelation 3, and the angel of the Lord's rebuking the church at Laodicea. In Revelation, you can look it up later, 15 to 17, he says, I I know you deeds, you're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's what the Lord says. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need a thing you realize that you are, he lists five things here, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. There is a tendency in our society as we gather more wealth and as we get richer and whatever and the poor get poorer, there's a tendency to rest on our laurels, To be satisfied, we're on a quest for really comfort. And and we rest back with that instead of pressing on and purposely getting hungry again for something so that we're hot or we're cold, but we look for that comfort zone. There are certain things in life where I want a comfort zone. I don't want extreme heat, and I don't like extreme cold. I, I want a comfortable temperature, probably around 23, 24, something like that. And most of us would agree, that's a good thing, Pastor. I'm with you on that. I I don't like it really cold, and I don't like it really hot either. But then there are other things when it comes to the things of God where I find myself purposely getting hungry, when I don't have to get hungry. There's no pressing need. I don't have maybe a terminal disease where if God doesn't come through right now and and I don't get my miracle, I'm dead. And to purposely throw yourself into a situation of spiritual hunger, constantly being hungry for the things of God, that's something that I've found is is a challenge. So lest I become lukewarm somewhere in between in the middle and and get spewed out of his mouth, not a very nice thought indeed. So how do you do that? And what are some of the keys? This morning I want to talk to you about a, a place where we get... We get hungry so that we can get filled. We get filled so that we can get empty. I don't know if you've ever come to a place where you've just said maybe to yourself or somebody else, I've just got nothing more to give. I'm at the end. Most of us would would be there sometime in our life, perhaps frequently, where you come to the end of you, and we all have people in our lives and they just want to suck whatever's out of us. They, it's like they take their big straw and they shove it into you and because they don't know how to go to God and get something for themselves. So you're the closest thing. You've got some of it. I think I'll jam my straw in and when I'm finished with you, sucking the life out of you and you've got nothing more to give, I'm off to somebody else. There is a key And that key leads us to uh, some incredible things that Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed is is makarios in the Greek language. It means happy throw a party. Woo, blessed, woo, glory to God. You are makarios, you are blessed when you're poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why would you be blessed to be poor? You are blessed because. When you are empty, it is actually a blessing because that hunger will, will lead to filling, and that filling again will lead to pouring out, and, and you are blessed as you give out of that. Revelation 2 9 to the church at, at Smyrna, he says this He says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Even the poorest person in the kingdom of God that's destined for heaven is so far richer <laughs> than, the, than the richest person that's not going to heaven beyond what we would even imagine, ask, or, or think. So you can pinch yourself. If you're here and you've given out everything and you feel dry and you feel used up, you are blessed. Now, I've entitled this message... Check your oil. Check your oil. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus talking, like it'll be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So there's a wedding, and under Jewish culture, there were three parts to the wedding. There was the proposal where the groom would ask, The bride, will you marry me? So many words, and of course. And then there was a betrothal period. You might remember Joseph and Mary. They were in the middle of that when she got pregnant with a child from the Holy Ghost. Christmas is coming, so that's our story. Then they actually had the wedding feast itself. We, as the bride of Christ, have not had the wedding feast yet, but that's coming. We've had the proposal. We've said Yes. But we're in the betrothal uh, stage of of a marriage where it was just as good as being married. They were married. They were considered married when they were betrothed. We call that engagement. Although we can break off engagement, they would not do such a thing. And at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Well, let's look at the foolish ones first. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. In other words, they were seeing how far they could get on a tank. I know what they were doing, those foolish virgins. I know exactly what they were thinking. Why would I bother filling up? There's not enough time. I'm too busy doing other things with my life than to go and get oil. So I think I'll just go out. Well, she'll be right. The bridegroom's not going to come until I'm out of oil, and I'll be fine. So they're called foolish. and then the wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. They wanted to see how full they could get. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Do you ever feel like Jesus is a long time in coming? He's been been, been, going to come back. I've been a Christian about 40 years. <laughs> From the time I gave my heart to the Lord, every year without fail, he's coming back. I think this year's the year. They've made movies about it based on some Aztec calendar. 2012 is going to be it. Hollywood made a big movie about that one. Well, 2012, 2022... Ten years, can you believe it's ten years came and went that quickly since that movie came out? Everybody was talking about that. Ten years, come and gone. We're still here. He hasn't raptured us out of here. We're still having shirts, going to work, having kids, getting married, doing all this stuff. The bridegroom has taken a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Therein is a tendency in church, (laughs) right there, not just in this service, but in our Christian life in general. If we thought and we knew he was coming back next year, we would be so on point, it wouldn't be funny. I bet all of us would be street preachers. We'd be out there giving it Every single minute that we had, we'd be up early, to bed late, preaching the gospel, doing everything that we possibly could to save as many people as we possibly could, because we know when He's coming, and He's coming back soon. Well, He is coming soon, but soon, in God's definition of soon, certainly isn't my definition of soon. The foolish one said to the wise, "Well, I'll back up there." At midnight, verse 6, a cry rang out. Always at midnight. You ever notice that? Babies are usually born in the middle of the night or some inconvenient hour. The, 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 who said they weren't? Okay, Rodney, yes, that's true. There's always an exception to every rule. <laughs> I didn't say everyone. Notice that? Sometimes, sometimes it's not convenient when babies are born. And all the virgins woke up. Oh, here's, here's, to the bri- here's the bride bridegroom. Come out, meet them. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us <laughs> some of your oil. Our lamps are out. And I like how upfront the, the wise virgins are. No. Sometimes you just gotta say no to people. Well, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll have a look, I'll have a check, I'll see if I have any. I don't wanna offend. No. <laughs> well, they probably didn't say it quite like that. They said, no. They replied, there may not be enough oil for both us and you. It's kinda like lifeboats on the Titanic. Uh, can I get in? No. It's not enough room for both of us, so you can stay on the ship, thank you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. It's midnight. The shops aren't open, let's face it. They're not going to be able to trot down to the local IGA or 7-Eleven. Maybe they could get away with that one. But they don't sell oil like that there, for the sake of my story anyway. It's not convenient. It's midnight. The stores are closed. And these virgins are told to go buy it. Now, the oil of God is not for sale. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. The gift of salvation is not for sale, thank you. You can't buy salvation. It's kind of like... uh, You know, stairway to heaven. You know, if the stores are all closed, she knows she she can get what she came for. Kind of not not in this case. It ain't going to happen. And So on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him and went to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. The thing about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force. Some religions preach and teach that the Holy Spirit is like electricity. Well, the Bible says this, Grieve not the Holy Spirit where unto the day that you were sealed. I don't think electricity has been grieved very often in in my lifetime. Be be moved with the Holy Spirit and, and... and, and, and realize that, that the Holy Spirit can get down into your emotions because he's a person. The person of God will move you. You cannot buy this kind of oil. The oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at that, why the oil is used as a type of the Holy Spirit. But he says this, he says, truly I tell you, I don't know you, the best place to know if you know God or God knows you is to have God on the inside of you and be, be ever a present uh, of, of that. I, I know God in a lot of ways, but the ways, the way that I know God, the main way he's in me. We talk all the time. He gives me pictures all the time of what to do. He doesn't write a huge book and he doesn't certainly talk the way that we're talking right now with, with uh, vibrations going through vocal cord through the air, interpreted in, in, in an eardrum and coming into the brain. Too slow. But when God's on the inside of you and you know that, that reverberation, that, that presence of, uh, of, of the Spirit uh, of God himself, You know God intimately, as intimately as you could possibly know any person, is when God's in the inside, speaking, directing. Don't look at that. Look at that. Don't go there. Go there. I've shut the door to that. I've opened the door here. And you know that you know that you know how many people know what I'm talking about. Come on. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Does anybody remember, this is going to date a few people here. Does anybody remember full service service stations? Did they have them over here? Did they have them? A full service petrol station, I'll translate to Australian petrol. We had full service gasoline stations, gas stations. And you'd pull in, and there was an attendant. So somebody would come out. And they'd, you'd roll down the window, don't even get out of your car. Don't even have to get out of the car. I mean, how good is that? They'd, they'd, they'd knock on the, on the window, whatever. you roll down the window. And then if you had a lot of money, and you weren't a poor college kid like I was most of the time back then, so I might hand them a five, which was a lot of money for fuel back then. Or I might have a dollar. That could get a ways. But if you had a lot of money, you'd just say, fill her up. You're just proud. Fill her up. They'd go, yes, sir. How good is that? Then the next question that the service station attendant would ask you, would you like me to check your oil? Do you remember that? Yeah. So pop the bonnet over here Pop the hood over there. Pull the latch. Bonnet kind of comes up. They lift that thing up. They got the rag. They know exactly where the wand is to go. Goes down into the oil. Pull that out. Wipe that thing clean after they're finished. But they're looking at how much oil have you got? And then they just tell you, okay, you need a over in America it was like a quart or whatever. We're we're uh, the imperial system not as sophisticated as the Aussies. So over here, I, I, don't rem- I wasn't here back then, but probably they'd say something like, you need a pint. Would it be a pint, two pints, half a pint, whatever it was, to fill that up. And as much as I loved to see how far I could go on a tank of gas and run that thing to empty, I never did that with the oil. There were consequences to running out of oil. So, if they said you need, you need to put a quart of oil in, in this, my immediate re- reply was, Yes, sir, <laughs> put whatever's needed in there. And if I didn't have the money for the gas and the oil, cut back on the gas, put the, put it, put the oil in. Because the engine's going to freeze up if we don't have the oil. Oil is really important. Oil is important in a lot of things, and these virgins, they did not have enough oil in their lamps. They didn't carry enough oil. They ran out. Now, over here nowadays, we have a, an oil light it would tell you your, your oil's low, but when you pull into God's servo, and I believe one of God's service stations is right here, and you're in it right now. It's his church, When you come into a church service, you are coming in, sometimes you got a bit in the tank, sometimes you're bone dry, sometimes you're coming in filled because you're out there, you're filled with the Spirit, you know, the Spirit of God is overflowing, you've got joy, that's what the Bible says in the presence of God is what? Fullness of joy. What does it look like? Well, I can guess. Somewhat looks like a smile, (laughs) Joy has a, a trademark, I believe, and it's a, it's a smile. Nike has a trademark. It's the tick. Other companies have a tra- The trademark of heaven, I believe, is joy. Joy everlasting. It's what we expect to go when we go to heaven. I'd be bummed out, disappointed if it was just a downer. And everybody's walking around. Oh, well. No, 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 no. The presence of God is there, so there's fullness of joy. And when you're filled and you go into the servo, God's servo, the presence of God, however you do that, wherever you do that, especially if you're in the house of God, the church. I believe when you're in a corporate gathering, this is one of the best times to fill up and I always say, check the oil, please, too. You've got to check your oil. And say, my oil's down. I need to get some oil. I need to fill that up. I, I don't want to burn out. I don't want the tank uh, to, to go to empty, but especially I don't want the oil to go low. I've got to get myself saturated in the presence of God. God says, check the oil. Matthew 5, 6 is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. I come in hungry every time, even if I've been filled out there. I still come in with a hunger because I want to be blessed. Blessed are you if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness with God, for right standing with God. I want to be always not so full that I'm not empty and not so empty that I'm so full. I want to be somewhere there where I'm constantly, I'm constantly hungry. I'm constantly empty. I'm constantly thirsty for the things of God. But I'm also wanting to be filled with the things of God, not somewhere in between. So when you're empty, pulling the God's servo, check the oil? Absolutely. I think about all the times where oil. Is mentioned in Scripture and the significance of that. We're not going to go into all of them, but I think about it. First Kings chapter uh, 17, where there's a a really wicked king. They they're in a bad place. Israel is. They've got Ahab, and Ahab it says did did more evil than all the other kings before him. And he marries Jezebel, and she's wicked. They're worshiping Baal, and they've erected different. Shrines to, to Baal, idol worship, gets back into Israel. God's angry about it. So the prophet Elijah comes along and, and he declares a drought. He says, it's not going to rain except on my word. And so it all dry, everything dries up. One little brook there, he's by the brook Cherith. And he gets bread and he gets meat every day delivered. He's got a little bit of water till that brook eventually dries up as well. He has to live by his decisions. Do you know you have to live by your decisions? He doesn't shuck it off on... Oh, you know, God, what'd you do that for? Now, oh, goodness, I'm losing a lot of weight here, God, because these ravens, they're not delivering a whole lot of bread and a whole lot of meat, and there's not a whole lot of water in in this brook. No, he's quite happy and content because he's doing what God told him to do. It is not going to rain. The whole nation is going to suffer until we get our act together, and we repent, and we get rid of that king, and we start living righteously for God and stop worshiping idols. And so... He's there by the brook, and these ravens, they're delivering, they're scavenger birds, and they're delivering meat and bread. I'm thinking, where do they get the bread? Like, ravens don't bake. Meat, meat, I can understand. Oh, there's a kill, there's a dead rabbit or something there, rip a bit off, bring the prophet a bit of meat. But bread, they're getting bread from somewhere. So when it all dries up, the prophet goes and he meets this woman, and God said to him, he said, go and meet this widow woman, and and see, he says, see, I've commanded her to feed you. I've commanded her to give you bread and meat. He shows up, she doesn't have any bread and meat left. I believe, personally, the reason is because she's been supplying the prophet all along, to the point where now she's like, God, he comes along, God, what do you want, the last morsel? All I've got is enough for my son and myself to eat, and then we're going to die. Do you get that? All I've got, she says now, she doesn't have any bread. All I've got is some flour and a little oil. The prophet says, give me that first. Imagine that. Everybody's starving in the congregation. Nobody has any money. The pastor gets up. Well, give give me first the offering, and then you guys can go and You know, live on what's left over. There's nothing left over. So just go home. Peace be to you. Be like, forget you, pastor. I'd be in a current affair. I'd be on 60 minutes for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) He has the audacity audacity to say to a widow woman, well, give me the first. And then you can go ahead and do whatever you're going to go and die, in other words, with your son. Good luck. So she gives it to him. And as long as she gave to him and supplied that, it never ran out. The oil never ran out. The flour never ran out. The water never ran out. Every time she'd empty herself, more would come in. Her her destination of her full was empty. Her destination of empty was full. See, God is after your empty, not your full. God is looking for empty vessels. And all of you Bible people, you know where I'm going with the empty vessel and oil thing. You're like, I know exactly where he's headed. He's headed over to Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to get there, of course. (laughs) Always check your oil. (laughs) Check your oil. You see, the devil can't take my marriage. You know why? Because I've got oil. I've got oil in my marriage. I've got the presence of God. You can take the word Holy Spirit and just put it in there every time the preacher mentions oil. I've got oil and he can't take it. The Holy Spirit, the oil shall abide with you forever. Sticks closer than a brother. The oil of joy. The anointing that I am royalty. They used oil to anoint kings back in that day. And they doused him in oil was something like uh, six quarts of oil will do the job. Thank you. It's why Psalm 133 says this, you know, how blessed and how good it is for brethren that dwell together in unity. It shall be like the oil that was poured upon the head that flowed all the way down to the hem of the garment. The fragrant oil, if you smelled, there's a solution for that. We're going to put some cinnamon-laced oil, (laughs) and it'll take away that foul odor. They used oil for feet. Always oil, oil. All you need is a little oil. You need to check your oil when something in your life is dry and you're going through a hard place and you seem drained and it's like I don't know what to do. I've given everything and the straw suckers have come and taken the rest of it out of me and now I'm just a shriveled up, dried up mess. You need some oil because oil gets into everything. Sometimes we've got a pontoon and the pontoon squeaks when it when it when the waves get high. It's, it's so annoying. But I've got some oil. And sometimes in the middle of the night, it's driving me so I can't sleep. In the middle of the night, the time when you don't want to get out of bed, but it's hot, you got the window open, all you can <laughs> go down, get in the garage. Grab my oil, go all the way outside (laughs) in my skivvies, (laughs) and oil that thing until it goes away. You know, oil will stop your squeaking. It'll stop all the squealing and all the whinging and everything else that's going on in your life. The, the oil will withstand incredible temperatures. The oil will make something, a surface that's rough. The oil will make it smooth if you, if you rub it in. The oil will unstick things in your life. It'll make the sad glad and the oil will light up your way. But you've got to check your oil and make sure that you've got enough oil of the Holy Spirit in your life that you are anointing and come into the house to God if you're not, and get filled up, and, and let God check your oil, and say, God, I'm dry. God, I need some oil, and let the worship, and let the preaching, and let the fellowship, and let every aspect of God fill you up, or your marriage, and your life, and your squealing, and every other thing's going to continue. We're not going to go to, because we don't have a time, but I'd like the worship team to come back up again, but just in passing, in reference, we're almost out of time. Second Corinthians chapter four. Sorry, Second uh, Kings chapter four. I'm not going to go there. But uh, another widow. It's, it's, the, it's the successor of Elijah, Elisha. He's met with kings. He's met with royalty. He meets this woman. She's in a bad way, like the woman that Elijah had met the previous uh, in, in First Kings, Second uh, in First Kings. And this woman, the creditors are coming to take her two kids, her two boys, doesn't have anything. The prophet comes. What do you got? I got nothing. But I got nothing except a little oil in a jar. That'll work. Give it to me. Now go out, collect all the empty vessels that you can. And as many empty vessels as she brought the prophet, he kept on filling them with oil. What is the solution when you're poor, when you're, when you're poor spiritually, when you're poor physically, financially? The solution when you're poor is to pour. you got to take your p and you got to P-O-U-R some oil into your life. The solution to empty is to pour when you pour. Oh, but I, all I got is this little bit. If I give that to you, then we're going to die. No, you won't. Because it is more blessed to give. And whatever you whatever you do give, that shall come back to you. Your words are stuck in unbelief. Get some oil on your words. Pour, 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 and pour more. If your marriage is stuck, get some oil onto it. If your money is stuck to your, to your wallet... Put some oil on your wallet and get it unstuck so you can be a river and not a dam and frozen up with fear and every stupid excuse. Be a generous person because you serve a generous God. I didn't get an amen or even a hand clap on that one. That's okay. It's all good. The preacher's fine. And then she did one more thing, we're out of time. When the oil ceased, when she when she didn't have any more jars, rather, no more empty vessels. The prophet said, shut the door behind you. Shut the door. I like that because Jesus did that when he raised uh, Tabitha, Talitha from the dead. Shut the door. He didn't invite everybody into the room. He only invited Peter, James, and John, his inner circle into the room to raise this girl from the dead. Shut the door. The Shumanite woman, shut the the door shut. The door behind you. Just do not let every doubter, every naysayer, every person that's going to uh, negate your miracle. Don't let that. Don't let that into the room. Shut it out. The virgins with the oil had to go in, and then the door got shut. and The other ones that didn't have any oh, we're going to go and buy some now. Too late. I don't even know you. The door was shut. And in the world that we're living in right now, and I'm closing. The world is in such a mess. And the tendency for us believers, a lot of whom are unbeliever, unbelieving believers, is to become like them and hoard it up and get frozen with fear. Well, I want to say to you this morning, get, your, get the oil, let the oil of God unfreeze that fear. Let the oil of God flow in every area of your life. I refuse no matter how bad it gets. I am not going to get frozen up in fear. I'm not going to let that happen. I praise God that you don't have to either. But God, it says in First Thessalonians, I think it is, it says that God takes this treasure of his and he puts it in clay pots or clay vessels. In other words, he knows that we're going to leak and it's okay. I'm just a clay, I'm just a, a human, I'm, 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 I'm clay, good. Let the oil flow. And every crack that's in you is, gonna, is an opportunity for somebody else to get touched by the oil and so that you can be a, a spiller over onto somebody else and get everything in your life so slippery and so slick and so fragrant that nobody can deny the presence of God who is in you. Let the clay jar leak all over your life. Glory to God. Doubt, negativity. You're not going to lose it. Shut the door and pour and stay filled and stay empty, amen. Come on, let's stand together. I would really love it to know who's really hungry this morning and who could use some oil this morning. I know I preach longer than I planned, but that's okay. I wonder right now, how, how hungry, how empty, how dry, how desperate are you for the oil of God? I'm de- you're looking at a desperate preacher. I'm not standing up here all pious and pompous saying, "Well, you guys need some oil." No, I need some oil too. I need, I need to get. I need. I, I need a lot of oil. We're gonna do this song. And I know if you have to go, slip out of your seat and uh, you're, all, you're all good. It's 3:33, so it's 11:33, rather. So if you gotta go, you can go. God bless you. Go in peace. Just quietly leave. Because I want to have a bit of a, I want to, I want to, I God's saying, hey, check the oil. Would you say to God right now, check the oil? Would you say that? Come on, let's say that together. Check the oil. Check the oil. So if there's something frozen in your life, you're burned out in an area, something that just needs to be freed up in your thinking maybe, in your walk, in your worst, whatever it is right now. You check your oil. Be honest. And now we're going to worship God with this song. And I'm going to ask the oil of God to pour out on every person here that dared to stay over 1133. And we're going to see something happen, I believe, this morning. We're going to walk out of here different. Different. We're not going to walk out of here with like the tin man. If it rains, he can't walk anymore in the Wizard of Oz. We're going to walk out of here with oil, oil, the presence of the Holy Spirit, a reinstatement of, the, of awareness that the greater one lives in me. And if you are poor, poor. God wants to pour, 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 pour pour more, more, more. God wants every person in here to, to walk in the freedom that Christ bought at Calvary. He wants every one of us to spill over into that dry place, that dry land. I wonder if he's got any candidates here this morning. Let me pray for you. And if you're here, we have, we're uh, if you're watching online or listening to a podcast, I want to pray right now. For those of you that may not have asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, He paid the ultimate price. He paid the price of all the sins of the whole world, not just yours and mine. And He, and he declared, It's finished. You can't add any more to it. Pastor, I'm not a good person. Good, you're a candidate for salvation. There's only one good, and that's God. Jesus said that to the rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? There's only one good. That's God. In other words, if you're going to call me good, you got to call me God. There's no degrees of goodness. He's 100% good, 100% God. So if you fall short of that measure, all have fallen short of that measure. You want to pray this prayer with me and just ask Jesus Christ into your heart. I'd love to lead you in a prayer of salvation. That's the start. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if you want to, let's just pray together. Say this after me. This is not a formula. It kind of goes the same way every week, but I'm not trying to get fancy with the prayer of salvation. It's it's not a standard prayer. It's just a heartfelt asking God, accepting his free gift. So say this after me, dear God. I thank you for sending your son. Jesus, I give you my heart. I turn from my past. and I turn to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, Please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at infocity-church.net. At